0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers and thieves. Welcome to the Boston podcast. It's the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. My name is Dave, as the announcer guy pointed out to you. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend or a colleague. And if you'd like your own podcast, is what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. We produce them. So go to pod617.com to get started. You could be the next big podcast star. We'll talk about stories of the city. we got a couple of great stories today, a couple of great guests. I'm welcomed today in the virtual studio by Nick Prefontaine and Zach Beach. They are with a company called Pre-Property Solutions with the mission being to help people that never thought they'd be able to own a home get to that dream of home ownership. They're here in the virtual studio. So properly, welcome gentlemen. They both have fancy looking microphones too, which makes me happy because I live in a world of distorted audio and finally I have a couple of guests that are gonna keep up with me. So let, let's start with you, Nick. And just before we start re- recording, you started telling me your story and I said, hold on there save it for the pod, but the way that you sort of arrived where you are now came from an incident in 2003. So rather than me try to explain it, tell, tell us about that experience.
1: Sure. Going back to 2003, I was in eighth grade. I was on at a mountain, Wachusa Mountain, on ski club. Mm-hmm. That was the day for ski club. Mm-hmm. And going to the mountain, I... Was getting ready because all my friends and I brought our things on the bus so we could get ready so as not to miss a precious moment once we got to the mountain. Mm-hmm. Then we got to the mountain, and because we are ready, didn't waste any time doing that. We headed right for the top. Mm-hmm. On the way to the top, we, David, mm-hmm. noticed that it was very icy. People were wiping out everywhere because it had been raining. Mm. Now, needless to say, it wasn't my first time on a snowboard. If you know what I mean, I, I knew what I was doing on a snowboard. So I being Hold kind to- of kind of showy, I, I guess you could say, <laughs> thinking I, you know, no big deal. I can go for this. So mm-hmm. I went for the biggest jump with all my speed and going into the jump. I caught the edge of my snowboard and that threw me off balance. Mm-hmm. So I was forced to go off the jump. And I landed, I was told after mm-hmm. that I landed on my head and I wasn't wearing a helmet. That'll do it. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, so that's, the, that's like a thumbnail sketch of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was taken to UMass where they actually tried to life flight me with the helicopter, but it was too windy. So I was taken to UMass and when I was there, they called my parents in and said he's probably not going to be able to walk talk or eat again so they were kind of left with the uh, grim situation I and mean, one of the important things was they didn't allow the doctors into my hospital room because even though I was in my in a coma mm-hmm. they didn't want me to take in that information
0: oh my goodness uh,
1: the, The Mm. negative prognosis and Mm. everything. And do do you
0: do you remember anything from those days when you're in a coma?
1: No, people ask me, I I do get asked that Mm. not it's not conscious. I don't have a conscious memory of that. And I think that's for a reason. I see video recordings of myself in the ICU Mm -hmm. at UMass Mm. where my eyes are open. I'm looking around, but I don't remember any of that. Wow consciously mm-hmm. however i went back a year or two later for a groundbreaking ceremony at umass memorial and i was walking around the icu and i was like hey you look familiar <laughs> wow. you look really familiar this place looks really familiar i feel like i've been here but i couldn't put my finger on it mm. and now but i don't really remember it now. and
0: now um you commonly speak to groups and tell your story of overcoming adversity. Are did you make
1: a full recovery? I mean, it de- depends what you think is full. No, lo- I'm just kidding. It, it lo- yes, I did. Okay. I did make a full recovery. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, that's wonderful because I, needless to say, brain injuries are the most serious, and I can only imagine how relieved your family and everyone that knew you must have been when you recovered from that. So pretty amazing. So before we again before we get to the your. Day job, gentlemen. Let me go to you, Zach. And I know that you're a an Amazon best-selling author. Oh, big deal. I could do that if I wanted to. No, I'm just kidding. You
2: could, I promise you. Name
0: of that book was The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. And the second book, Real Estate on Your Own Terms. You also have a podcast. Now Your podcast still active and kicking.
2: Oh yeah. We have well co-host two of them. So yeah, we got the we have our Not Just a Transaction podcast where mm-hmm. we talk specifically to the buyers and sellers locally here in New England and, and how we can help them with some types of creative deals and help them get to the finish line. And then we have another one, which we focus with our second company as well.
0: All right. Well, brother, Brothers and Pod, we, we can call ourselves. <laughs> so I, I like that. And I presume you can find that podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows, right?
2: Absolutely. We don't hide it in the basement.
0: Right. So you, I'm just reading from your bio here, but it's very skillfully written at the age of 25, Zach decided to leave the world of bartending. That's That's about time. A lot of people choose to leave. the. world. It's about time. It's about the time when I decided to leave the world of bartending. I did graduate from the New England bartending school at the top of my class. There were nine people in the class anyway. So we'll fast forward and tell us I'll, I'll take your answer first, Zach, but tell us what you do now and, and why you're so enthusiastic about it. And also, you know, I mentioned sort of in rough detail what you do, but you're not a broker. You're not a lawyer. You're not any of those things. You're kind of your own thing. So tell me about it.
2: Yeah, so uh, Nick and I here, we buy and sell real estate along with our, well, it's my father in and Nick's father, locally here in Southern New England, and we hang our hats as uh, being real estate investors, and what we typically do is we solve challenges that the traditional market, such as a realtor, wouldn't be able to solve. So we buy property on lease options or, or lease purchases, and we buy property on seller financing, as well where the seller is acting as the bank. A lot of people ask you, why would people do that? And the truth is most, most people's challenges can't be solved traditionally. And if you're looking to net more money on your property, which is just one of the challenges we solve, then we can certainly help you do so as long as you have the ability uh, to take either payments over time or to receive a loan someone. Tell
0: me why, Nick, tell me why you enjoy what you do.
1: Uh, All right. So Zach, Zach didn't mention this, but he focuses within pre-property solutions. He focuses more on helping purchase the property and working with the sellers. Whereas I come at it from a different perspective. I come at it as working almost exclusively with our buyers And that's from initially from that first conversation, having a conversation with them, telling them about our program to arranging to get them into the property for viewing to meeting with them for the buyer's meeting. And then if we accept them to sign or close, we call it a closing, but it's really a formal lease signing with our attorney. And then really, even once they're in the home, David, I'm I'm working with them hand in hand so that they're going through the right process to become mortgage ready to get all their ducks in a row. And I really I get a lot of satisfaction out of the fact that we're closing homes now at a clip of one to two a month from buyers that we sold rent own homes whether it was two or three years ago. So that's what really gets me jazzed. Mm. That's what gets me going, that we're able to get people to the finish line because a lot of what you hear out there about investors or the, you know, you always hear the negative, of course, Mm -hmm. the negative what's out there. But a lot of what you hear is, yeah, they don't care. The investors doesn't care about getting the buyer to the finish line and making the deal complete and having them get their own loan. They'll just, though, if the buyer defaults, they'll just do it again. Mm. And we pride ourselves on the fact that we are getting buyers to the finish line. And the reason, part of the reason I say that is one of the top trainers in the industry, he teaches that from stage at his seminars, hope they default. And then you get to do it again and collect another down payment. That's really not what we're about at Pre-Property Solutions. Mm.
0: Zach. Tell me this, and I'll preface it by saying America seems obsessed with their houses more than ever before. And we've had about 14 months to stay home and fix up our houses if we choose to do so. But look no further than all the reality shows where people get their first home or get their home renovated or whatever. Do you get a kick out of sort of being there at the moment when someone becomes a homeowner? And do you have any favorite stories in that regard?
2: Yeah, great question. So Nick primarily works with the buyer. So what I get a kick out of is helping solve sellers Challenges, really, because I'm the one that's buying all the properties. But we've had some amazing stories when it comes to getting buyers to the finish line. You know, we've we help out people in various situations, which I, I don't think the world really recognizes that roughly 80 percent of buyers across the nation cannot qualify for a loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means going to get a traditional financing. So, anytime we bring anybody across the finish line to be able to qualify for their own loan, we're excited. We really want to make sure. That, that the path to homeownership is viable for everyone. Now, my myself, I bought my own home through a lease purchase because I'm self-employed and I need roughly 24 months worth of seasoning in order to be able to go get a bank loan. That means mm-hmm. that a bank needs to see that you have a proven record of income for a period of time before they will qualify you for a loan. So I bought my first house on a lease purchase. So I am one of the key people or key avatars or, or key mm-hmm. buyers that we work with. And that's self-employed entrepreneurs that are grinding out and are, you know, still, you know, still sick of renting and want to become homeowners and, and have that, that American dream. So.
0: So how do you, you don't have to tell me your entire business model, but I'm wondering whether you, it is, does it pose any risks to, to work with people without a traditional credit history?
2: Well, of course it does. Yeah. We are. So when we're working with a seller, we're creating an agreement with them. So we're solving their challenge. We're figuring out what do they need in order to sell their property. And then we're going to find a buyer that, again, is outside of, that's outside of financeability and can't qualify for a loan today. So when we do that, we then sell the property to them and our typical buyers are going to pay at market or higher than market because- we're betting on them to be able to go ahead and purchase this property. So of course it comes with risk, but that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. We're here to help and, and convert people that never believed that they were going to be able to own a home that were going to expect it to be tenants forever and uh, help them by really bringing our dream team together to be able to put them in the best position to go qualify for their own loan.
0: Nick, let me ask you the question that I post to Zach when I should have posted to you because I wasn't paying because I wasn't paying attention. Nice podcasting Dave. Yeah. Since you work with the buyers, Nick, do you have a favorite memory of helping people along to their dream of becoming homeowners?
1: Yeah. And it's really going to be I'm gonna have recency biased here because it's all I can think about right now. The deals that we've had buyers, we've had three of them, buyers that we sold the home to them two to three years ago on a rent-to-own, we've had them get their own loan. (laughs) The thing that keeps coming up is more so than when we sold the home to them on a rent-to-own agreement, more so than when we got them into the home with an initial down payment and everything, But they're saying once they get their loan and they realize how many hoops the lender makes them jump through and the way that we help our buyers make it easier for them to jump through those hoops is thank you. Mm. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to become a homeowner. And that's really the thing that really that keeps just keeps jumping to the forefront of my mind whenever I'm dealing with any buyers at any step of the process is they're just so thankful of the opportunity.
0: So Zach, I'll ask you this. What, what can, how can people learn more about what you do and how they, how you can possibly help them?
1: The easiest way to
2: do it is just head to our website. That's pre P R E property, singular solutions, plural.com. And you go and con- use the contact us form if you're a seller that's looking for alternative options, or uh, a buyer that's looking to get involved in our program. But also, as you alluded to earlier, go and to- listen to our podcast. Uh, we have our podcasts tend to last somewhere between ten and twenty minutes, where we focus on a very specific question, or we have a guest on where we hammer out a very specific issue that both buyers and sellers would would need to have answered. So we're constantly bringing content to you. That way you can make the best decision as a homeowner and our homeowner or soon to be homeowner. And that's not just a transaction podcast, not just a transaction. Uh, Cause it is, it really is our belief that it's not just about, you know, making money here in real estate investing. It's about providing solutions to uh, all those that are involved.
0: Not just a transaction podcast. That's It's always a little dicey when you have a not is the first word in the Title of the podcast because you say it's not this and so it's like well what is it? Don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. So not just a. So we're real,
1: we're real. We're really betting on people not to read into that too much, David. <laughs> um, that's what we're betting on. That's what dude. I said. Dude. We like to have
2: a lot of fun out there as well. I mean, we're super low key, laid back. Uh, we're brothers in law, so we always are making jokes and having fun. But it's all about just helping those out there that really we can provide a solution to.
0: Yes, please do subscribe to that podcast. Do not listen to the nonsensical joke I made a moment ago. Before, before we depart, we are going to play a quick round of good stuff where all three of us here will recommend something good to the listener, you to maybe brighten your day. Before we do that, I need to take one minute to remind you of what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go. If you want your own show, we'll produce the whole thing from start to finish i know you at home probably don't have fancy mics like nick and zach do well we'll provide one to you if you work with us we'll give you one of those fancy usb mics you can plug in and do your podcast from home or come to our westwood mass studios we'll do the whole thing from start to finish podcasting is a great way to connect with your network friends clients they'll be amazed when they get invited to be a guest on your show go to pod617.com to get started the boston podcast network in pod we trust okay let's play good stuff
2: oh that's the good stuff
0: All right. I'm glad you're dancing, Zach. That is usually a litmus test as to how cool the guest is. Nick, I'm going to assume you were too. I turned a, a, away for a minute, but we don't dance enough these days. Let's face it. When was the last time any of us have been dancing? Maybe sometime soon. Zach, would you like to go first on Good Stuff?
2: Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, Good Stuff right now. I'm a big I'm a big reader. I like to listen to a lot of Audible podcasts, as that's why we're here today. If you haven't read the book, The Future is Faster Than You Think, Mm. Uh, very interesting book by Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamandis. It is amazing on how fast our society is moving, especially from uh, technological advances. So, if you want your mind to be blown, I highly recommend you either read or uh, listen to that podcast.
0: I'm going audiobook, right? Audiobook, Audiobook. Right. That's okay. You can get it in a hardcover at Amazon for about. 18 bucks or so or the audiobook I don't see what that costs but I'm sure it's here somewhere anyway go to Amazon or wherever the future is faster than you think now I am I'm definitely going to check this out this and I'm not just saying that because this fascinates me and I don't know if the book addresses this but is technology advancing at sort of a steady rate in other words If you had, if we were back in, you know, 1985, actually to that point, let's use the example of the film Back to the Future. In 1985, they imagined the future, actually in the second movie, but whatever, around that time, and they did predict things like, you know, the big wall, big screen TV with multiple screens on it, touchscreen technology, and I'm sure somebody predicted the smartphone. But if technology is advancing sort of exponentially, in other words, each year we advance more than we did the previous year, then we really should be on Mars within, you know, three weeks or so. Now, <laughs> I, I guess. I, I guess my question is: Does have either have you thought about that, Zach? Or maybe it's in the book. But is technology advancing more rapid each year? That's not the right way to put it, but I think you know what I mean.
2: Oh yeah, they address it very heavily in the book and okay. they say like basically the amount the amount of technological advance in like the say the last 100 years is going to accumulate basically every 10 to 20 years. So, they they talk about quantum computing and all that as well. So just think about like that they're expecting like there to be flying cars and there to be no actual personal vehicles in like the next like 3 to 5 years. So because mm. we already has flying cars in that as well. So it's just uh it, it, it's amazing. I'm telling you, it's, I can't even explain how, how crazy these things are going to be and yeah. how many industries, which, which is really why I was watching it or listening to. And that is how many industries are really going to be affected over the next, say, five, 10, 20 years. And, and the amazing thing is they're going to be affected by companies that haven't even been created yet.
0: Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. It, blo- it blows my mind. I love thinking about this stuff. The riderless cars thing. Passengerless cars? What do we say? Riderless cars, I guess. Anyway, the, the automated cars, the, I, I, I think that 20 years from now, not only will they be prevalent, but we will look back and say, why did we do it the other way? And our grandchildren are going to say, are you telling me they allowed anyone who turned 16 and a half? to go through some rudimentary training and then get behind this killing, get the wheel of this like killing machine because, and you talk about the different industries and I know the trucking industry and the whatever other industries are affected by driverless car. That's it. Driverless cars. The, I'm sure it is. I knew you get it. But you know, those, while those industries may suffer, there there are tens of thousands of people who die every year in car accidents and that can all but be eliminated, I would think, if they have their act together. Anyway, let's, I got off on a, a rant there. But let's go to you, Nick, before I lose control of the show. So, Nick, do you have something good to recommend to our listeners today?
1: Well, Captain Tangent, I do have something <laughs> to recommend. That is the the Boston Podcast Network kind of brought to mind, mm-hmm. after after I came out of my coma and I was stabilized, I was transported to Franciscan... Children's Hospital and they're right in Brighton Mm -hmm. and that's where I had to learn how to walk talk and eat again so I owe a great debt to the wonderful men and women that are at Franciscan Children's Hospital and after I came after I ran out of the hospital because that was my goal from the beginning was I wanted to run out of the hospital after I ran out of that hospital Uh, Franciscan Children's Hospital, I started a foundation that sole function was to benefit the hospital. Mm -hmm. That was the Prefontaine Foundation. Mm -hmm. After doing a few golf tournaments and things like that, it it was very cumbersome, the amount of administrative work that had to be done to run a charity. So Franciscan... Kind of absorbed the foundation, the Prefontaine Foundation, and it became the Prefontaine Fund at Franciscan Children's Hospital. So i I encourage um, all the listeners out there to to donate to Franciscan and donate to the Prefontaine Fund. And the reason why I think it's very important because I've been on the I've been on the board of a few things at Franciscan. The reason why I think it's important to donate not just a general donation, but to the Prefontaine Fund, 100% of those funds go towards helping improve the kids' experience at Franciscan Children's Hospital, whether that's the therapies or anything to do with their time there. The reason I say that, not a lot of people know this, but when you make a general donation to any charity, a hospital, anything, only 50 or 60% of what you're donating is actually going towards helping, Mm. is going towards that cause. Whereas with the Prefontaine Fund, 100% of it is going towards helping uh, improve the kids' experience at the hospital. And they they legally can't spend the money without consulting us that is uh, myself and my family over what where we want those funds kind of directed and most recently we did something to improve an outdoor the outdoor park we helped them with uh, creating their outdoor park where kids can go out to therapies and experience For a few months out of the year in the Boston area, Mm -hmm. the outdoors and nature and everything. And I think it's very important to mention because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. I got my words mixed up there about about charities in general. So I think if you're looking to give to a worthy cause, Mm -hmm. the Prefontaine Fund at Franciscan Children's Hospital is uh, is a great thing.
0: I agree. And thank you for bringing it up. And I thought you were very well-spoken, better than I am this morning or or this afternoon. See, I don't even know what time of day it is. Well, you're, um, but... you're batting 1,000, Dave,
1: huh?
0: <laughs> no, certainly not. But Franciscan Children's Hospital is at franciscanchildrens.org. And Nick, should people go there to donate, or is there something else they need to know?
1: Yeah, that's fine. Just whenever you make a jo- donation, it can be directly to the hospital, Franciscan uh, Children's Hospital. Just make sure you're filling out in the memo line Mm -hmm. or if it's a check in the memo line or if it's online that you're making the donation, just make sure you fill out that it's to be uh, direct to the Prefontaine Fund and then it'll go in that fund.
0: Terrific. It's
2: also important to mention that we fund it as well. So there's a portion of any of our profits from our investments go directly to that fund as well as we're extremely passionate about it.
0: Excellent. I'll put this information in the show notes. So listener, if you're in your car right now or whatever, just check the show notes later and donate to the Prefontaine Fund at Children Franciscans Hospital. Excellent, excellent suggestion, Nick. I appreciate it. For my edition of Good Stuff, I don't know if this was inspired by my guests, but I'm going to review a movie that uh, it's not like people haven't heard of this, but it's it's, you guys are help people get into homes. This is a Story about people who have no homes, and I don't know if they like it that way. Anyway, the name of the movie is Nomadland. It's been nominated for Academy Awards. I just got around to seeing it. I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer so you get a taste for it.
1: You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless i'm just houseless not the same thing right no my husband worked at the usg mine in empire i was a substitute teacher it is a tough time right now you may want to consider early retirement i need work i like work
0: so the the voice you heard was actress frances mcdormand And she is wonderful in this film. I haven't done all of my homework here, but I'm told some of the people featured in the film are actual, what they call nomads. And as you heard, they prefer not to be called homeless because they choose to sort of live in these vans and move about the country. And, it is it's a very well done movie. Have you either of you guys seen this yet? Yeah, no? No. No, okay. It's a good take, but my word of caution is don't expect that much to happen in the film. It's <laughs> I think the purpose of it is more to kind of clue you into this segment of America that you might not know about. It's kind of a mood piece. It, it's a little bit about loneliness. It's a little bit about friendship and so it's cool. So I do recommend it. Nomad Land. You can stream it on Hulu. If you're a subscriber, it is absolutely free. So check that out. Will you guys check it out and report back to me?
2: I will do my best.
0: <laughs> Stated uh, very diplomatically. That's okay. It might not be for everyone. Well, And David, I'll yeah. take
1: it under consideration. Okay. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you. What did you call me before? Captain Tangent? I'm going to embrace that. Captain I, Tangent. Captain Tangent. I like that, Nick. I'll take it if you don't mind. Thanks, guys, for being a guest on the Boston Podcast again. Go to pre... Oh, I see, I already can't remember it. Uh, Zach, remind me of the URL again. It's
2: pre-property pre- suite.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Boston Podcast. Thank you, listeners. If you like this podcast, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started on behalf of Nick and Zach. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody.
2: I'm not the